Well, we have been in a series called The Choice to Rejoice. Let's look at Philippians 4.4. 4. Philippians 4.4. 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. First uh, Peter 1, verse 6 says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various uh, trials. Do you have that, First Peter? 1, verse 6. There we go, let's start at verse 6. It says, in, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So verse 6 said, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold, though it is tested by fire. So we, we will, I was going to say we may, but you will have trials in this earth. That's not a bad confession, that just is. The Bible says it uh, in numerous places. You don't have to believe for them. And it doesn't matter if you just try to say they're never going to come. We're going to have trials. Now, God's not sending the trials your way. He's not, you know, like a marionette, whatever. The marionette's the puppet, right? But the whatever, what's the guy that's messing with the marionette called? I don't know. But you know what I'm talking about, the one with strings, you know, doing this. He's not making us do everything. He's not sending a bunch of stuff our way just to say, well, let's see what happens here. Let's see if they can take this. Now, that's just going to happen because we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that is an all-serving God. There's people that don't serve God at all, that just go by their own ideas. We have, there is a, a, an enemy. His name is Satan in the world. This world is not the way it was when it was created. It's fallen. So uh, we're going to deal with challenges and trials. But in the middle of it, it says, though, though it be tested by fire, your faith may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then it says, whom having not seen, you love. Though you do not yet see him, yet believing, you rejoice. So even though you don't see the Lord, you believe something. And because you believe something, you rejoice. And you have joy, even though you don't see him. I mean, I haven't seen the Lord physically. Maybe you have. But I believe him with all my heart. I've received him. I believe I will see him face to face. You know, when we, when we step into heaven, we're going to see him face to face. That's going to be something. That's going to be just as real as me looking at you. That's an that's amazing thought. You know, and if you have loved ones that have gone on and they, they knew Jesus, that's where they're at. They're in the presence of, of God Almighty. That's, we could spend the rest of the night just thinking about that. But even though we don't see him, we rejoice. So we don't go by what we see. We don't go by what we feel. Uh, we can rejoice anyway. Let's look at Romans 8, 28. 
Romans 8, 28. It says, We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. And the Amplified, that verse says, We are assured and know that God being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good to those who, uh, for, for good to and for those who love God and are called according to His design and purpose. Let's read uh, verse 28 in the New King James and then we're going to go on uh, to 29 and, and, and read this passage here. In verse 28, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. How many of you love God? To those who are the called according to His purpose. So whether you know it or not, if you're a Christian, you are the called according to His purpose. Verse 29 says, For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So who he foreknew? Do you know he foreknew you? He knew you before you were born. He knew everything about you. He knows everything about everybody. But notice this, it says, Whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Well, he didn't just, so people go off, there's, you know, lines of thought that God just chooses who's going to get saved and who doesn't. No, that's not what this is saying. It says who he foreknew. So who he knew, he know, has infinite knowledge, who he knew was going to receive him. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In other words, he knows God knew before the foundation of the world all those who would believe him. And because of that, then he said, well, you're going to believe me. So you're predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. He didn't make the decision, but he knows what's going to happen. So he makes plans accordingly. He already knows what's going to happen. He didn't cut anybody out of the equation. They cut themselves out of the equation. But he knew they were going to do that before they ever did it. You ever wonder? I don't know the mind of God. You don't know the mind of God. But just know, and you, you, you look and say, well, why, did, why does this happen? Why, why, why was this person used this way or that? Only God knows, but just know He knows everything. He never makes mistakes. He's not whimsical. But He knew from the beginning how people are going to act, where they're going to end up. It said He also predestined, He also predestined, whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Verse 30, moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Well, he's, he's called people. We all have a calling because he knew you would receive him. He knew you were going to follow him. So he's got a calling for each person. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, he also glorified. These he glorified. Verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
Verse 32, He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is He who condemns? It is also Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Shall any of these things separate us from the love of Christ? Verse 36, as is written, for your sake we are killed all day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Verse 37, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Verse 38, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 37 said, Yet in all these things, he was saying before, can anything separate us from the love of Christ? If you go back to 35, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Verse 37. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So in all these things, what things? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine nakedness, peril, or sword. Verse 38, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height or depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's look at uh, Romans 8.28. If you go back to the beginning of this, it says this is the beginning, and then he, he just launched into all these things that we just read. But what we started out with, we know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to, the purpose, to His purpose. And then he ended up saying, nothing can separate us from His love, and we are more than conquerors in anything. I want to talk to you tonight about setbacks and overcoming adversity. We're talking about rejoicing always. Rejoicing in the midst of everything. But sometimes you hit something, it could be little, it could be just in your day. You know, you woke up, and you know, by 8.30 something's not going. You're, you're trying to run an errand, and traffic's not cooperating, or you know, you, you had a task that you thought was going to take a half hour, and three hours later you're still doing, anybody know what I'm talking about? You're still working on it. And, you know, it could be something just that small, or it could be something that's major, something that you thought was going to happen a certain way, but it's not, and it looks like you just went backwards, and, you're, you know, you can have thoughts hit you, what are you going to do, how are you going to handle this? Okay, how do we look at the setback, how, whether it's small or big? When something doesn't go right, how do we react? 
How do we go forward? What's our mindset? Setbacks cannot stop us unless we let them. And we don't have to stop in our joy. We don't have to stop rejoicing. You know, we, we read, rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. Well, you get something doesn't go. You, you know, you're going and then, oh wait, it's not working. Okay, what we do at that point can make a huge difference to what we experience. Because we will experience setbacks. As far as, it won't, it, things won't always go just perfect. You say, well, that's a bad confession. Well, I'm going to read you scripture. Okay, we're not saying you expect them. But Satan can't stop you, but he will try to hinder you. He will try to slow things up. He will stri- try to slow it down. He'll try to, to, to get, you know, he can't control you, but he can push in the world system some. He has people that'll just yield to him, don't even know they're doing it. Do we have to be scared of Satan? No, we have overcome, but this is the point. Because if he pushes a little bit and you go, oh, it's not going perfect, I guess this isn't God's will, and you shut down, he got you. That's how he does it. See, when it doesn't look like quite perfect, you have to say, wait a minute, I'm still going over. Anyway, see, that's faith. If you think it's got to go perfect for it to be the will of God, you're just living in la-la land. That's not the case. And we're going to look at, you know, some examples, but over and the, the man that wrote, rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice, Paul. You know, we've talked about, he, he had challenges. And if he thought, if he was judging the challenge, if he was judging the will of God, whether or not he was in the will of God by the challenges he faced, he would have concluded really quickly, I missed it. Oh, I missed it again. Oh, I really missed it. Oh my gosh, they killed me. I just got raised from the dead. Man, I must have missed it. Oh my gosh, they're beating me. Now they're leaving me in the ocean. Oh man, I'm just missing it left and right. But he wasn't. And he didn't go, oh no, I'm done. Where God, where are you? No, he just kept trucking. I I remember one of my instructors, this lady, uh, she was funny, but she was talking about uh, the Apostle Paul and he said, you know, because some people teach in certain areas of the Bible, oh, you know, he had these sickly diseases and he just could do it. He goes, if she were, if if he were like one-tenth, as sickly as some people say that he is, he couldn't have done all the stuff he did. He got beaten and he got left for dead and he got right up and he's trucking. If he was like, in, in, you know, crippled or couldn't see real well, or he just was all sickly, how in the world a healthy person would have? I mean, I don't care. You could take a, an athlete and put him in that situation. They're going to have a tough time marching through all that stuff. No, uh, he wasn't sickly. But he had some challenges. And he's the one writing this here. Everything is not going to always go perfectly. We don't expect it to go bad, but what do we do when it doesn't go right? What do we do? I mean, how, how are we going to react? That, that is a question. If we think because we had a, a setback that we missed God, then we can get discouraged. And then we'll get sidetracked. You know, you, you miss it, something doesn't, or not that you missed it, something doesn't go right, so it's, you know, 10.30 in the morning, and if you take the wrong attitude, you can destroy the rest of your day wondering why something didn't go right instead of just going on and still being productive and adjusting, moving. How do we believe, or what do we believe, and how do we act in the middle of something that's pushing back on us, that's a setback. Do we focus our attention on every little thing that we could have done different? 
You know, something doesn't go right. So now we go, well, if this, I should have done this and this. And then we spend an hour just, I should have done this, this, this. And it was a half hour task. And you spend an hour, an hour and a half talking about what you could have done different. Not that we shouldn't learn, but we can't get derailed into just hyperanalyzing stuff. Do we spend a bunch of time on blaming somebody else that it happened? Oh, it didn't go right. So, you know, now I'm just going to go into, I'm going to blame and blame and blame and then spend, you know, time doing that. Do we spend a bunch of time beating ourselves up for not doing it perfectly? Well, if I only would have done this. Because when you start, it's, it's not bad to try to learn something. But if you just spend all this time trying to say, if I did this, or if I did that, and why didn't I do that? The, the, the fact is, you can't go back and do anything about it. And sometimes that's a bitter pill to swallow. Because you, you're like, mm, you can see yourself, you did this, and it would have gone this way, but now you can't do it. You, you can't go back and do it. So what do we do at that point? If we're, if we're going to say, oh, I should have, and just replay it over and over and over in our head, and then beat ourselves up because we didn't move this way, we moved this way, we're wasting our time. That's not going to get us through. That's going to keep us glued to where we are. Or if we, do we focus on, oh, this didn't go right, so I've been mistreated, and this, this is so bad, and I can't believe this person did this, and just stay there. And instead of going on, we're going to focus on how this was wrong, and they should have acted this way, and if they wouldn't have acted this way, then it wouldn't have gone wrong, and just go in circles there. Or about how we were stolen from. Didn't go right, and now I'm not going to have this or that, and I, uh, this is wrong, and I, I'm, so, this, I'm stolen from. Well, we could have been stolen from, but what are we going to do now? Because if we stay there, now we're giving somebody else power in our lives to de derail us at that point. And now they're stealing now. You know, they already, some, maybe they shouldn't have done something. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And at some point, so we can, we can say, I'm going on. All things work together for good to those that love God, to those who are that called according to His purposes. I can say that, or I can just say, I don't believe it. Why didn't they do it? And we stay there. Now they're stealing today. They're stealing now. They're stealing this afternoon. They're stealing tomorrow. And we're giving them power in our lives, more power, then they, they have, really, but we're, we're yielding it to them. Or about how things are so unfair. That was just unfair. And so-and-so should have done this. That was just not fair that I have this lot. Well, we could spend time there, but that's not going to get us to the other side. None of those things are productive. They're not helpful. And we can't move forward when we're looking back. We can't change what already has happened. So when we deal with these things, and we all do, you know you're going, you ever started the day and you think, we're going to rock it. You might get one thing done, and then the next thing, you know, it's like you're in mud, and you just, it just is taken, and you can't, and this is not going, and what, what do we do? You're going to stop and say, forget it. Dang it, my plan didn't work. We should have known going into the, world, the, the day that your plan may not work perfectly. You got to be able to, to, to shift. Got to be able to go with the flow a little bit. But God knows how to deal with things as they are. Even when things didn't go perfectly, He knows how to get out of it now 
And so any time that we spent on any of those exercises that we just talked about or looking back is a waste of time, is not going to help us, not going to help you to get mad at somebody else, just going to hurt you. But if we look to Him and get our eyes on the right thing, and we've been talking about different aspects of this, talking about joy and rejoicing and being thankful and being content, these are all aspects that we can bring in and replace those other behaviors that aren't going to do any good. We bring in, the, basically it comes down to, are we going to look at God and rejoice in Him anyway in the middle of that, and go forward, or are we going to be derailed further? Because if we get our eyes on Him, on His love, His faithfulness, His power, then we're in a position to win, because God already knows the way to victory from where we're at now. It doesn't matter if something didn't go quite right, He's got a path to victory from there. And, you know, so, you know, have you ever then gone, you know, you got yourself rallied up? Ah, it's not so bad. Going, and then you take five steps, and now another thing happens. Well, okay, well, if that happens a number of times, he, we, can, we can easily get derailed, or we can say, wait a minute, God's got a way to victory here. From here, I can still see victory. If I'm with him, now if I, looked at, if I start looking at myself, it could be like it just looks like a dark corner and I'm, I'm going off and I'm not going to win. But the thing is, God told us that all things work together for good. That doesn't mean he's setting, see people twist that and say, he's just doing everything. It's all going to work out for your good. You know, doesn't matter that it looks like God just, knocked you in the head, but that's for your good. No, you might get hit, but it's not God knocking you around. We're in uh, this world. There are fallen, you know, fallen circumstances we have to deal with, but it's, it's, he said, in spite of that, I'll still make it work for good. But we got to believe that. that. You know, anybody can believe it when it's smooth sailing. But if you get a hiccup, big, little, you get knocked on, on your rear end, you just boom, oh. It takes you a couple seconds to know what just happened, and you get back up. God still has a path to victory, and he can still make it work for good. Now, that takes some faith to believe it then. And not talk, just, we're not talking about just lip service. Oh, well, hallelujah. No, you just got the wind knocked out of you. Ever had that happen? Probably everybody. Oh, you're playing sports or something in the wind. You cannot breathe. You're trying to get... That, that's a horrible feeling. When that happens to you in life, what, what are we doing? Where, where are we... Do we still say, no, I'm, I'm winning? Or, wait a minute, man, that... We start talking about how bad the blow was. And that... That, that was such a bad, I cannot believe that happened. Where did that come from? Did you see, I didn't see that happen. We talk about that. Now, we've all done it. We've all ended up talking about those things. But what, if, if we'll change our mindset, so it doesn't matter if it's a small hiccup, doesn't matter if it's a big hiccup, I can still see victory from here because God is on my side. We just read it. If God is for me, who can be against me? If God is for me, what can separate me? 
Well, this thing in front of me, see, if we start acting like this is a big deal, what we're saying is this is big enough to take me out even if God is at my back. We're saying this was big enough to separate me from God. But if we change it and say, wait a minute, God, you are the Almighty, and I, I feel like crying right now, and I don't know how I can see victory, but I know you know how to get to victory, so I'm going to get on your side really quick. I'm not going to waste any time on my back because that's not going to do me any good. And I'm just yielding to the devil if I do that. And he'll have me thinking there's no way, no how, and it's dark. But if I get right up and say, Lord, I don't see how. Not talking about being fake. We're talking about when it's on. Lord, I don't see how, but you have a way to victory. I choose to praise you now. That is a strong man's gospel. That is a strong woman. That is, we're not talking about praise you. We're talking about you just got knocked out. And you're getting up going, oh, I praise you. You're, you're gritting your teeth saying, no, I'm going to praise you anyway. And I'm going to believe you. And we are going to win. In the midst of it. Still going to come out right. It's still going to come out. I like this phrase. This is still going to work out for my good and your glory, God. It's still going to work out. And you may, somebody else will look at the situation going, you're nuts. Oh, no. Watch. This is still going to work out. For my good, and it's going to give glory to God. Anyway, you just got taken out. Oh, no, I believe God. Does that verse, eight, uh, Romans 8, 28, mean what it says or not? Does God work all things for good? That means he can take this, looks like he knocked, something knocked you out, but he just boomerang it right back. And it, makes, it helps you to win. The thing that Satan thought was going to take you out, you take it and throw it back in his face and make him wish he would have never come at you. Amen. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. Does that mean always or not? He always leads us in triumph. So we get knocked, we get knocked around. We say, oh no, still winning. You know, you're up against the ropes. It looks like you're getting your brains beat out. And you're just like, nope, I'm winning. I'm overcoming. We're coming through. We're going over. This is still going to look right. God still has a way to victory. I don't see it. I don't know what he's got in his playbook, but this includes, always includes now. All things, working all things for, for uh, good, that includes now. Doesn't matter that something didn't just go right this afternoon. Doesn't matter that something didn't go right last week or something huge came in. God still has a path. He still has a path through. Let's look at John 16, verse 16. Just look at a few examples in Scripture. Before we go there, let's look at uh, Psalm 30, verse 4. And then we'll go to John 16. It says, Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of His, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holy name. For His anger is but for a moment, His favor is for life, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Is there ever a time where something hits you and you're grieving about it? There are things that we grieve. That, that's part of a process, but it doesn't last forever. And depending on how big, I mean, it could be, in, you know, like we're talking about, you just, in the minor sense, you get up, and something doesn't go right, well, there's a moment where, dang, that didn't work. And that's about how long it should last in that scenario where you go, all right, what are we doing now? Yeah. 
not stop and go, man, I, I spent, a, I, spent, I thought I had, I, I planned it, well, and now you're grieving. That doesn't warrant that much grief, right? That's too much already. Now, I've done it, you've done it, but, but we don't have to do that. We can say, wait a minute, all right, didn't work. What are we doing now? And go on. Now, something could not hit you. You had a genuine loss. You're like, God, I, I don't know what happened here. You can go to God, but it doesn't have to knock you out for three years. Amen? Joy comes in the morning. We can come back. We can re rejoice. We have a reason to rejoice. We can say, say Lord, I don't see how you can turn this into a victory, but I'm trusting you. As your child, I'm looking to you and say, Lord, that hurt. That hurt. But you're bigger. But we're coming over. I'm going to have joy now. Anyway, praise God. And it's when you feel the opposite, that you're walking in faith the strongest. When you feel, it's not when you feel like everything is right and feel like rejoicing that your faith is the strongest. It's when you feel like crying, you feel like quitting, you feel like forget it, I don't know, you feel like getting angry, you feel like letting somebody have it, and you say anyway, no, I'm praising you God, I'm going to have joy anyway, and we're winning anyway. It's, we're going over. John 16 verse 16 says, now this is Jesus <clears throat> speaking to his disciples. He said, a little while you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me, because I go to the Father. Then some of his disciples said among themselves, what is this that he says to us, a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me, and because I go to the Father. They said, therefore, what is this that he says, a little while? We do not know what he's saying. Well, he's telling them. I'm leaving. Verse 19, now Jesus knew that they desired to ask him. And he said to them, are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said a little while and you will not see me? And again, a little while and you will see me? Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament. But the world will rejoice. So when Jesus was going to leave, he said, you're, you're going to weep. The world's going to be happy about it. And they were. He said, you're going to weep, though, and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. Was it a good thing that Jesus went to the cross? He had to go to the cross. Is it a good thing that he went and was in his death, burial, and resurrection? That was for us. But when he left, they, they're thinking, he said, you're going to be sorry. They were. They didn't know what was going on. But it, it was, did it turn for their good? Was it for their good that Jesus went to the cross? Did they understand it? No, but was it for their good? Yes. Was God glorified? Yes. Verse 21, a woman when she is in labor has sorrow because her hour has come, but as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore you now have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. You know, sometimes you, you, you're going through a process, working towards something, and it can be like, now I've never had a baby, obviously. I've heard my wife talk about it. And I've heard her say how, you know, getting through some of the parts that, you know, women will say, 
they don't think they want to do that again until they see the baby and then after the while, that's gone and they're willing to go through it again. I can only say that, obviously, secondhand. Don't pretend to be correlated at all with what the real, I'm just backing away, you know, I don't, I know I don't know, all of you that have a baby. Not making any claim that I have any, I just, secondhand. But there are things, Jesus used the example, so, okay, on good round, I can use it, he was a man, we could use that, just don't egg me. But there are things in life where you are pushing and something pushes back and you're like, what? I'm, why do this? Or why, why do I go forward now? I tried this, I tried this, I tried this. But like Jesus said, you go through and you get to the other side. They, with God's plan, Satan can try to push back on it, but he cannot stop it. You know how he tries to stop it? Get you to believe that he has more power over you. Have you ever had a thought that Satan's going to take you out? It may not sound like Satan's going to take you out, but I know there have been thoughts where, oh, this is going to happen. You, this bad thing is going to happen, and this, painting for you a picture of the next day. This is going to happen, this, and this is going to go down. And what he's trying to do is put pressure on you to accept that vision of your life. And it can feel very, very real. But he's a liar. How does he get a foothold in our lives? He, he can push on certain things. And what, he, what he's trying to do is get you to yield to him. That's actually how you give him power. Because he can't stop you. The Bible says we're more than conquerors. But if, he, if something pushes on you a little bit, you go, oh no, we're going down. Well, he's got you. Now you start talking about that, you're going down. But he can't make you go down. All he can do is try to get you to agree with him that you're going down. Now you can go down. And to try to paint a picture that this is going to happen to you. There's no, you know, you're getting sick. You're going to lose your job. This ain't, you're going to lose that client. This isn't going to happen. And he'll, say, he'll make it seem so inevitable, there's no way that's not happening. This is what's going to happen. And you can say, oh, you know, I rebuke you and say, oh, well, it's the truth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He'll say, oh, I'm just, you, you can rebuke all you want, but it's fact. This ship has sailed. <laughs> He's lying. Yeah. You got to push back and say, oh, no, we're winning. I can see victory from here, even though you can't. You can see it through Jesus. I know God knows how to get there, and you're a liar. You're wrong. I don't believe you. I rebuke you, and I'm going to rejoice anyway. I'm going to be happy anyway. I know God is for me, and I'm going over. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rejoice anyway right now. I don't believe you. You're a liar. And whenever you have a thought or a picture, you know, they'll try to give you videos. Somebody, that this happened, this is going to happen. You say, you can say it out loud. I, I recommend if there's nobody around, or you do it under your, if you say it out loud, if there's nobody, if there is somebody around, do it under your breath. Say, that will never happen to me. Gives you a picture of something happened to your child. Say, that'll never happen. You just speak it out. Say, that will never, well, you're going to get this disease. That will never happen. Gives you a picture of somebody getting an accident or something. No, that will never happen. You just push back on it. You just put counter it. Because he's a liar. What he's trying to do is, 
He's a con. He's trying to get you to buy what he's selling. But he's not, he's not truthful. If you buy it, then he's got you. But if you reject him, he's got to go down the road. Acts 6, verse 1. Acts 6, verse 1 says, Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So there's a complaint that some of the, the people weren't getting the food that they should. So stuff isn't working right. Something isn't happening the way somebody thought it should. Maybe it's not really working right, but somebody's complaining about it. Now you got an issue. Even in the church. This is the church. There's stuff going on. It's not perfect. So they could have been like, oh no, what are we going to do? These people, and they could have gotten a big argument about it. They could have made a big deal. It could have derailed the word of God. So they had something not right, but they walked through it. Verse 2 says, Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, he said, this is, we, we don't need to be focusing on this. We need, to do, we need to focus on what our job is. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to min, the ministry of the Word. So they're saying, look, this, this, is not, this doesn't need to be happening, but we're not going to take care of it. Here, get some people that can take care of it. Let them run with it and... We're going to go forward. Verse 5 says, And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, of man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Procurus, Nacaner, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they had set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. So they commissioned these men to do this. Verse 7, then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. So you had a hiccup, you had a challenge, and what ended up happening is they adjusted, they changed, and they prospered. Verse 7, the, God, the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly. So this problem came up, they made a different organization, they reorg, and they went forward. And they did well. In spite, they could have said, well, what are we going to do? And they could have been spending three days. I don't know, why are they complaining? It's not that big of a deal. And they could have spent more time, but they changed, they adjusted, they looked to God. They said, we need to put somebody over this, that, that uh, God's spirit dwells, that they listen to God, and it'll work. And they prospered. Acts 15, verse 33. Let's look at one more example. It says, And after they had stayed there for a time, they, they, they were sent back with greetings from the brethren to the apostles. So they just got done with this big uh, talk with a bunch of the people uh, gathering together to talk about an issue. Verse 34, However, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. 
Verse 36, Then after some days Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. So Paul and Barnabas have been preaching together. Okay? You know who Apostle Paul is and Barnabas. So they have been preaching together, and then Paul says, Let us go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Verse 37, Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to work. So Barnabas says one thing, wants to take John Mark, Paul does not. Verse 39, then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. So you could write there, I mean, these guys are preaching the gospel. They're preaching buddies. And they got in a disagreement about who they should take with them. And it didn't just automatically, well, we worked it out. This is the Apostle Paul that wrote, Rejoice Always. So he's in the middle and he's dealing with Barnabas. But the, the contention became so sharp that they split. This is the Bible. These, this is the Apostle Paul and Barnabas. They could not resolve it. That's a pretty big hiccup. He's spreading the word of God. He's going through all this stuff, and now he's dealing with, they're dealing with each other. Can't, can't agree. That's a, that could derail. They could say, forget it. Can't get, I got enough going on with these Jewish people that are constantly attacking me. Now I got you attacking me? They could have, you know, who knows what they, what they said, but they could have said, forget it. This ain't worth it. They could have stopped. Don't, don't think that they couldn't have stopped. We're not talking about superhumans. We're talking about people just like you and me that obeyed God, had a call of God on their life just like you do, and they obeyed it and they fulfilled it. But this is, this is a disagreement. Verse 39, Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus like he wanted to, or he took Mark like he wanted to, went to Cyprus, verse 40, but Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So he went on, he took Silas, and Barnabas uh, took Mark. Skip down to Acts 16, verse 1. So they went and they strengthened the churches anyway. Then he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy. You know, when you see 1 and 2 Timothy in the Bible, that's who Paul was writing to. But here, Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek, he was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in the region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which was determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. So even though Paul and Barnabas got in a, an argument, even though 
it got to where they had to separate ways, they still kept going on. They still looked to God. Paul uh, took Silas, and then he added Timothy, and the churches were strengthened. Barnabas went on with John Mark, and they went their way. And, you know, you read just a little bit further where Paul and Silas, you know, they're out preaching the gospel. They got thrown into prison, and we're praising God through that. But you hear of Paul and Silas numerous times then, and that came about after a dissension between Paul and Barnabas. All that, that was yet to come, they, they didn't let this disagreement derail them. Again, they took back, they, they changed, they reorganized, and they went forward, and they still did what they're called to do. They strengthened the people in the faith, they, uh, the churches increased in number, and they followed God and went on to victory anyway. Anyhow, regardless of what comes our way, we have a choice what we do at that point, big, small, in the middle, what's our reaction, and do we keep in the mindset that even now, God has a way to victory. That's the way through. That's the way over. That's the way around. Doesn't matter. Don't get hung up on the logistics of what it looks like. Sometimes it's like, well, it didn't go this way, so now I, I just, I, I'm stuck. It's not, it didn't go. Instead of, you spend more time on that, then we're still going to go. May not have looked the way I thought, but God, you still got a way. And now we push through, around, over. Doesn't matter how we get there. The, 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 the important thing is, is that we win and we stay with him. And he is with us. And he will work all things together for good to those that love him, to those that are called according to his purpose, if we'll look to him. Amen.